Hello, everybody. I'm Nikki. And I'm Tyler. And this is Page Turners. And Button Mashers. I forgot. Hello, everybody. Hello. Welcome back. Welcome back. Episode three. What? I know. It's Already done three of these? Isn't that weird? <laughs> Actually, isn't that's, that weird? That's not many, though. <laughs> like, no, but like... We've already done three? Oh, my God. For just starting out, um, it's weird. So, how are you doing today? I'm doing all right. Uh, pretty, pretty tired. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, been a really long week and uh i was getting books ready for you guys so and you have a long summary today uh, i've got two long summaries two weeks in a row so please please hold on to your butts or skip to my part i'm kidding no don't (laughs) don't be mean (laughs) okay so i've got one heck of a doozy for you today all right yeah so it's called Within These Walls by Anya Alborn. Okay. Uh, I did listen to this on the free library app Libby. Okay. So it was an audio Not a sponsor. Book. Not a sponsor, obviously, because it's government power. I know. I just wanted... <laughs> you got to clarify. Yeah. <laughs> so it was a very good book, and I will start telling you about it. <laughs> <laughs> So this book has three perspectives. Um, so for the sake of time, I'm, I'm cutting out a lot of details. Okay. Uh, obviously, read the book if you want all of those details. They get real juicy. Uh, and I'm telling it also in a different way because otherwise it's a lot of back and forth and you don't want to deal with that. So. Well, when you're hearing about it, when you're reading it, that's obviously like what you're going to get. You're going to get what you're going to get. Yeah. The book opens up to a letter by the notorious cult leader and murderer by the name of Jeffrey C. Halcombe. Oh, okay. To one of our main characters, Lucas Graham. Lucas was a very oh. successful true crime co- novelist, and Jeff wanted to give him the opportunity of a lifetime. A that chance... N- that never turns out well. I'm about to give you the opportunity of a lifetime. You'll see. <laughs> and now I'm part of the mafia. Like... <laughs> He wanted to give him the opportunity of a lifetime, a chance at his exclusive perspective to the murder of Audra Snow, uh, the lawyer and his wife, and the ability to ask him any question about the cult that he led. The only terms he had were as follows. He had only until a month after the date on the postage stamp of the letter that he received, and he had to live in the house that the murder occurred. I'm not a fan of that. I'm not either. I, I made a facial expression, but then I realized y'all can't see it, so I yeah, <laughs> had to express something. Frowny. So, Lucas didn't have an option. His novels haven't been grossing well. His marriage was basically in shambles. His wife was cheating on him with one of her bosses. Oh. Yeah. So, his wife also had a business trip to oh. take with said men, and uh, they came to an agreement. He could move out to Seattle for their from their home in New York, take half of the savings, and he had to take their daughter, uh, Virginia. He called her Jeannie. Oh, that's cute. Yeah. He had to take her with him for the summer. Okay. Uh, since the mom was going to be in Rome for a month. Yep, totally doing business stuff, I'm he- sure. <laughs> <laughs> so Lucas and Jeannie were packed up in a moving van. Moving van. Van. The mom was dropped off at the airport, and they were on their way. 
Jeannie, okay. being the goth 12-year-old that she was, you know, she hears her parents argue a lot. Things happen. She asked about what Halcombe had done to have him be the center of his focus. And he admitted that he had murdered his girlfriend by cutting her open, had murdered a lawyer and his wife with this cult, and convinced the rest of their cult to commit suicide. She just kind of accepted the answer. Okay. He was a true crime novelist. I forgot to mention that. Uh, Yeah, that, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So they arrive at the house in three days instead of the five that it was supposed to take to get there, and things get weird immediately. While Jeannie begins to unpack her clothes and her things, she ventures into the bathroom that is solely hers, looks in the mirror, and sees a reflection of a woman whose eyes were rolled back into her head and blood covered her. Oh. She also heard the cry of a baby that she couldn't see. Hate that. Yeah, it's fantastic. Terror. Oh. (laughs) Naturally, she freaked out. Yeah. (laughs) She slipped. She hit her head on the bathtub, causing her to get a black eye. She cried out. Lucas comes running, and she plays it off like she slipped. Uh, she was afraid to tell him that she had just seen a ghost. And later on that night, after like a really fitful attempt to sleep, she walked downstairs to have a good look at the house that they moved into. And she finds that the living room had changed. All of the things were replaced by old furniture that looked super dated and not at all familiar to her. Okay. Jeannie... Being freaked out, ran up to her father's room, bolted in, and woke him up. And again, she doesn't tell him the truth. She says that she thinks she's having a brain aneurysm. He tells her to stop looking at WebMD, and that he'll take her to the hospital if her headache gets worse. It doesn't. She's fine. (laughs) Yeah. All right. During their stay in this house, things keep being weird. Um, Things move. She sees a boy in the orchard behind their house. Uh, he, he literally disappeared. Nope. Um, they hear weird random music. There's shadows in the house. All of this just keeps happening throughout the book. No. Yeah, I know. (laughs) (laughs) Keep shaking his head and it's funny to me. (laughs) So Lucas then attempts to make his appointment with Halcombe. He travels to the state penitentiary, waits for clearance to get in, Gets through all the checkpoints, meets a fan by the name of Josh Morales. He he is a guard at this place. And Halcom cancels on him. Oh. Yeah. He, he Lucas wasn't happy. Obviously. <laughs> yeah, don't say. This was his last chance. Uh, he tried to talk to the guards to try and get Halcom to come out, and it didn't work. But they did tell him that Halcom had left a gift for him at the check-in counter. He leaves, picks up the item, which was a cross with a sharp end, and leaves the penitentiary. Wow. Yeah. Lucas, uh, still trying to do his best to find answers for all that he had just endured, attempts to still work on research for the Halcombe case. Uh, He didn't find a lot about what occurred, but things continued to be strange. The inmate next to Halcombe kills himself using the same weapon as Lucas received. Oh. Yeah. So the guard on duty also ends up killing his family, then himself. Claiming that he will see his family in the eternal life. Oh, I hate that. (laughs) (laughs) I know. Oh, that's some cult bullshit. Uh, Literally. Yeah. Um... 
he ends up having an off-the-record conversation with the two guards he, that he met. Uh, so Josh Morales and I believe Marty was the name of the other guy. Marty. Yeah, <laughs> my sorry. brain just blanked on that name. Uh, they admit that everyone, all the inmates and guards, are very creeped out by Halcombe. Uh, they know that he was the one to talk the hardened murderer that was sitting next to him to kill himself. And somehow also convincing the guard to do the same. Oh. Uh, Josh, however, is curious of Halcombe, if Halcombe is crazy at all. Mm-hmm. He, or if he might be correct in talking about the afterlife being more of, like, the forever life. Yeah. So, they're just like, that's kind of dangerous territory, guy. But they're like, he's like, okay, I'm just thinking about it, you know? Mm-hmm. Lucas finishes his interview, goes home. His neighbor, Echo, yeah, let me get there, comes along to give him something that she thought that he would find helpful. No. Echo is extremely strange, and he doesn't like her much, but she ends up giving him some pictures of Jeff Halcombe and the other cult members. Happy, free, and casual. Okay. These, These photos have not been released to anybody. They were her mother's. Oh. Yeah, she admits that they both knew Jeff during that time and Echo's mother Maggie was best friends with Audra Snow. Yeah. Okay. So he she knew everything that was going on. Oh. Yeah. So I'm going to skip back and go into Audra's timeline for this, right? Audra was a very lonely girl. She was 20 years old and living in her parents' summer home in Pierpoint, Washington. The only person who visited her was Maggie. And she was, like, her only friend and her, like, her only neighbor for a mile. Yeah, so Maggie forces Audra to get out of her house one rainy day and go for a walk with her on the beach with uh, Audra's pup, Shadow. Oh. Yeah. They end up finding this small camp made of two tents and a campfire that managed to stay lit during her reign. She then meets an attractive man named Deacon, who tells her of how he lived in a mansion, but never felt more at home than with this group. He calls them his family, all that jazz. Uh. Yeah, She gets entranced by him, goes home, thinks about him all night, and decides the next day that she's going to go back with Shadow. Yeah. She goes back out, meets up with Deacon again, who, quote, knew she'd be back and introduces him to eight other members of his family then she then he is introduced to uh, Jeff she's totally head over heels for this man who was super handsome and she invites all of them to leave their campsite and come live with her in her spacious three bedroom two bath house they immediately take over and she wants nothing more than to belong with his family he actually ends up like taking over her master bedroom and she ends up sharing the room with the girls of the group, and the remaining uh, men share their own room. Very cultish. Yeah, can I just say I already hate this? Yeah. Like, okay, <laughs> like <laughs> one of my favorite games of all time is Far Cry 5. I'm not talking about that this week, but Far Cry 5 has to do with cult shit, but I hate cult shit. I know, <laughs> you're welcome. It creeps me out. It gets worse. Anyway. Oh, good. Jeff, during this time, also renames Audra changing her name to Avery. Hold on. Okay. He's renamed every single person in the group. Of course, why wouldn't he have? (laughs) To take their identity away from them. Yeah. 
Yeah, seems seems about right. <laughs> what you, when in a cult, steal people's identities. Yep. Or just get rid of them. Uh, no. Let me get there. <laughs> Avery. Oh, she goes by Avery. Basically wants to be a part of this group, like, just super bad. Okay. She ends up getting into a confrontation so with him. So she's an idiot. No. Yeah. She gets up in, uh, ends up getting into a confrontation with him about how she's done everything he's asked, but he says that she's still lying to him. Oh, he says that as long as long as she's still taking her medication for her psychosis, that she's not being her true self with him. So she jumps all of her pills. Uh, yeah. Okay. Why not? Then they have sex. Ah, yeah, and there she, it is. <laughs> and she's initiated into the group. Of course. Yeah. Why not? Why now not? everything's fine and dandy at first. She was part of the group. She had the guy she wanted. Uh, come to also learn that this cult basically just shares everyone with everyone. Oh, they're... Including their bodies. Hint, yeah. hint. It's creepy. Things, however, started to really change when they started to get low on food. Uh, Jeff finally proposes that they start breaking and entering in order to get the food that they need. Okay, not gonna lie, I thought it was going to go to a much worse place. It do- Okay, it does, great. Yeah, don't, don't interrupt me yet. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> So Avery insists that she can get more money from her father for food. Um, her father was a, what's it called? He was a senator. He was a state senator. So he he was rich. But Jeff tells her that her dependence on him is basically a sin. So she decided that the only place she would feel comfortable taking any food was from Maggie. Okay. Her friend? Yep. Okay. They go over to Maggie's home, take with the can, and head back. Only to have Maggie come back later with triple the amount of food that they stole and being upstage, in Avery's mind, by her. Avery then agreed to continue with breaking and entering. She also then finds out that she is very much pregnant. Uh-huh. Doesn't know how because how she's the only one because everyone's having sex with everyone. They all do the do. Yeah. Jeff is overjoyed with the coming of his child and what they are calling the sacrament. Oh, no. Yeah. No. I know. <laughs> like it. I know. Then one day, everything goes completely wrong. Yeah, because it's going great up to this point. <laughs> <laughs> they break and enter into Richard and Claire's home, the lawyer and his wife. Ooh. Two of the group members are having fun stacking all of the furniture in their living room when the homeowners arrive. They are arguing, so they don't really notice anything right away. <laughs> yeah. Claire goes upstairs, and Richard goes over to the living room, where everyone has basically just, like, turned into stone. They just freeze. <laughs> They're just like, don't move. It's- <laughs> <laughs> they aren't T-Rexes. They are people. I know. Uh, oh, that's good. They stand as still as possible, right? Yeah. Until Richard turns on the lights. <laughs> he sees the furniture first, all stacked. Until he sees Avis. Ah. He flips out, questions who she is. Deacon comes out of the woodwork saying that he doesn't need to call the cops, that they can just leave without <laughs> anything and there would be no problem. <laughs> All I can imagine is, who the hell are you? Now listen, it's fine. Just from the corner. He's like, just, it's fine, <laughs> dude. We can leave. No, no trouble. No, I'm definitely calling the cops. Yeah, yeah hold on. Uh, people start to head for the front door when Richard grabs onto Avis and wraps the phone cord around her neck. He was trying to call 911, and, um, he had the phone in his hand. Okay. 
Claire comes downstairs, tells them, tells him to let them all go. And he says, no, they need to pay for what they did. And it's like, it's just stuff, man. That's what one of the cult people keeps saying. Uh, he, he tells them to sit down and uh, wait for the cops. Okay. Jeff, too, because he was in the kitchen. Jeff approaches Richard, presents a knife. Oh. And Richard lets Avis go. He's like, if that's how it's going to be, then they can, you can all just leave. Mm-hmm. Jeff says no. Oh, good old Jeff. Yeah. He started it, and he was going to end it because no. Richard decided to threaten his unborn child. Then Jeff stabs Richard in the neck. <laughs> that's a little just like... It was very sudden. Yeah. Uh, Claire screams. Jeff tells the rest of the group to shut her up. And he hands Avis the knife to kill Claire. Oh. Yeah. She was like, no, that's wrong. And he calls her weak. Oh, as a, as a cult leader does. Mm-hmm. Maggie, who was present and starting to become part of this club, then takes her hand. <laughs> club. Club. Takes her <laughs> hand with the knife in it and literally forces oh. uh, Avis to stab Claire. Jeff has the group stand Claire up. Because she only got stabbed in the back once. Only. Jeff calls Avis weak again, and he takes her hand in his again with a knife, and they slit Claire's throat from ear to ear. Oh. Avis finally decides at this point that she's made the biggest mistake in the world. You don't say. I know. Okay. So we're going again to a different perspective, because this happens. Mm-hmm. Virginia, Jeannie. So after the few first incidents in the house... V, their nickname for herself, tries to understand what's going on. Yeah. She knows that there are spirits in the home, but she doesn't understand why they're mostly messing with her. Then her father asks Echo to babysit her. Okay. Echo tells her that she has a fantastic role with the energy of the house. I hate that. That Jeff is is an amazing man that has been looking forward to having her by his side in his family. V's parents argue a lot, and she feels lonely, so naturally, this sounds like a great idea to a 12-year-old girl. Yeah. Echo then calls her by the name Vivi, which V feels like is a perfect fit. <gasps> then tells her that she was the one. Oh. And tells her about the mem- her memories of Jeff and his teachings. Echo tells her that she will get to meet him soon. Oh. And hands her a photo of Jeff in his prime. Mind you, this man's like in his 50s now. Actually, he's in his 70s now. On the back, it says, Dearest Vivi, see you soon. What? Jay. I hate that. <laughs> no, I don't like it. <laughs> so I'm going to fast forward, and I'm going to get to the summary of this countdown. Okay. To the day that Audra dies. Okay. So the countdown to the ending where all the worlds collide begin with a single moment. The suicide of Jeff Halcombe. Okay. Nobody knows how he got arsenic, but he did. He was in a supermax prison. Uh, The remainder of the book happens as follows. Lucas becomes completely dismayed about the fact that his life, as he knows it, is over. Oh, good. Jeff was his last hope, but he also knew that his friend Josh was in trouble because he had been the guard on duty Mm -hmm. for Halcombe's cell. And he's freaking out, right? Yeah. He receives a text from Josh saying, Halcombe is dead. We need to talk. See you soon, Jay. Uh-huh. He then hears the talking from the living room, 
walks out to find his furniture stacked. <laughs> he freaks out, grabbed Jeannie from her room, and pulled her outside to find that his car is also missing too. Good. It just disappeared. Uh, he calls the cops once. They basically say, oh yeah, we're going to have a squad out to you. And she's like, just give us a minute and we'll have him there. And he's like, okay. Waits 20 minutes, calls again. To find that the operator never got a call for it in his system. His car reappears. And the furniture goes back like nothing happened. No. He is freaking out. Uh, Yeah. Good. After he goes back to the house and he hears voices from the living room. He shuts himself in his office and he hears these voices. Sorry. He tells them to get out of his house and they tell him it's not his house. It never has been. Oh, why? (laughs) Vivi summons Jeff via Ouija board. Oh. And it works. Oh. The whole house changed from present day to the way it was in 1983 when the murders occurred. Jeff offers Vivi a place in his home. She turns him down. (laughs) She's like, this is not a good idea. Never mind. Uh, He summons his goons to hold her. (laughs) Summons his goons. He literally summons the rest of the cult when they show up. (laughs) Uh, They hold on to her and use her. Basically, they just use her as leverage. At this point, the recreation of the murder of Audra Snow has happened. Oh. Uh, Like, bodies open, they're all laying in, like, a star form, and they're all laying dead. So, what happened to Audra is they were trying to open, to to get the baby from outside of her, because she was almost due. Yeah. So, they cut her from breastbone to pubic bone and removed the baby. Oh. Yeah. Vivi is in horror of what is happening. Echo is waiting for all of them to reconvene in the living room. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Jeff tells Lucas that a sacrifice was to be made of if eternal life was to be achieved. So he kills Jeannie. Okay. Grabs onto Lucas and his energy shifts into Lucas. And everything paranormal in the house stops. Ah. The real end of the story. Oh, God. It's been months since Jeannie's death. Lucas is sitting in a Barnes & Noble in New York, signing his new book about Halcombe and the true story that he was given, quote-unquote. He tells a couple at his table about how broken he was who have lost his little girl yeah. and how he just wants a family again. It's nothing else that he wants. He just wants a family. Then a girl comes up to his table, beautiful blonde named Hannah. He tells her that... Hater. he tells her that he'd love to talk to her more about how they both believe that family is very important tells her that her name hannah doesn't sound right she seems more like a harmony he plans a coffee date with her later and signs her book to harmony see you soon lou no (laughs) you dick the end no And that was Within These Walls by Anya Alborn. That was awful. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, imagine reading it. No, Um, I hate it. Oh my gosh. So, on pages turned, I love 
I love horror. I love true crime. I love creepy things, and I love freaking out Tyler. Oh, <laughs> is, I I do want to make it very clear. I don't hear any of these notes. All I hear from her anytime she's reading it is, "What the fuck? Oh God!" <laughs> I'll tell you in the podcast. That's all I hear. <laughs> my my book reactions are always great. Um, so as far as pages turn go, I'm going to give this one. Maybe an eight and a half. Wow, okay. Yeah, okay. So the story is fantastic, obviously. It's crazy. It takes you on these giant twists and turns and things shift and you're like, what the fuck is going on, guys? And there's cult stuff. And there's cult stuff and there's (laughs) murder and there's a novelist and I don't know. It's just hard to describe it. You guys are going to have to go and read it and I, I just love the book. I've read this one twice because I knew how messed up it was. And I remember going to work and listening to it and pausing. And at the end of the book being like, no, no, (laughs) that didn't happen. That's not right. It was great. So what was the uh, the author of the book? Anya Allborn. Anya Allborn. A-H-L-B-O-R-N. Okay, cool. Yeah. All right. Well, with that, we are going to take a very short break and get right back to you. (laughs) all right welcome back hiya there yeah we've recovered i think (laughs) no we haven't no we haven't (laughs) (laughs) all right (laughs) jesus so we're going to turn to a lighter note um much lighter yeah so i am actually still talking about uh breath of the wild Mm -hmm. so i'm still invested in the game uh, and I realized, like, last time I just kind of talked about, you know, kind of the smaller things. Mm-hmm. But there's a, a few mechanics that I wanted to touch on that I feel like are important. And I also just wanted to talk about, like, a lot of the little things I'm noticing, <laughs> you know? Uh, I do want to make note to this. In my notes, in big, bold letters, the first one is Beetle. Yes. If you've played any Beetle. other... Legend of Zelda game, Beetle has been in Ocarina of Time, or was it? He's been in Ocarina of Time. He's been in Majora's Mask. Yeah. He's been in Skyward Sword. He's been in Wind Waker. He's been in almost all of them, I believe. Yeah. The only ones I don't think he's been in was like Link a to Link Between, yeah, and a Link, a Link to the, in a Link to the Past and a Link Between Worlds, which are basically the, the same. same game, but yeah. like with a little twist. Yeah, but Beetle, uh, he is in the game. Uh, you will find him literally as you always find him, walking. Yep. With a giant, like, one of those horned beetles on his back. Yep. And just, like, I've always known about Beetle, but I've never, like, played a game where I've met him. That's true. That's and, fair. Like, he is a sh- he's a shopkeeper, so he buys and sells stuff. Really? Yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah, just, you talk to him and he goes, "Whoa, this is great! I love, I love him so much." He's so excited and, about it. You know, all these years of carrying that beetle on his back, mm-hmm. he got jacked. Oh my gosh! And yeah. he wears a crop top confidently. That's perfectly fine. You yeah. Know what he deserves to show off the newly formed abs because he of sure beetle. He never had them before. No. And that just proves a point. Anyone can wear a crop top. Anyone can wear Anyone. a crop top. Yeah. Even Beetle. Yeah, even be- if Beetle can wear a crop top, you can. <laughs> That's the point of the story. 
Um, oh, but uh, the best experience I had with Beetle, he was just sitting at one of the stables, which there's a ton of them in the game I've found so far. He was just sitting there, and this little kid ran up to him, and he went, there's a giant beetle on his back. Wow. And then you talk to the kid, and he's like, I can't wait to get my own backpack. I'm going to get a backpack with a thousand other backpacks inside. Yeah, that's a weird one. And I'm just, like, it amazed me because the kid was reacting to what he was seeing in the world. So he was seeing Beetle. Oh, right. So that didn't, like, that just blew my mind because I was like, the kid is looking at this guy's backpack and he's like, I want backpacks. Yeah. I Okay, now that you mention it, I realize yeah. that that hardly ever happens unless they're like, you know this person over there? Yeah. They stole something from me. I need it back. And <laughs> they they never interact with one another unless they're actually... Like part of the same quest part line. Part of the same quest yeah. line. Yeah. So two NPCs just kind of being like, bam, like interacting even though the kid's talking to you about Beetle. Yeah. It's still Beetle's involved. Yeah. And and I'm not sure if this is true because I didn't talk to the kid after Beetle left. But with the lines that came after he talked about the backpack, makes me think if Beetle wasn't there, he wouldn't have said it. Yeah. Because immediately he goes, oh, that painter guy that was at the stable? Yeah, he left already, but uh, he wanted me to tell you to uh, hi. <laughs> that's yeah. like, that's... <laughs> It's like, oh, wow. <laughs> you do end up running into that guy later at weird times. Yeah, he it's helps like, you. He's it's like, like, oh, you're here too? <laughs> what a coincidence. You got one of them pictures I can see? For, uh, <laughs> as I mentioned last episode about the uh, the memories, there's a whole bunch of pictures in your tablet that when you go to the places where the pictures are taken, you get back a memory. Yeah. So he kind of mentions to you the closest memory to where he is. Mm-hmm. And he's like, oh, yeah, that's at the base of this mountain. It's like... Doesn't mark it on the map, but now you know it's there. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Um. So on the topic of Beetle actually being a shopkeeper, I did. Yeah, I did not touch at all the uh, the importance of shopkeepers and shops last time. They are, are so important. They're really diverse too. Yeah. Every time you go to a village or a town, there's shops, and there's usually three types of shops. Uh, one that just gives you, like, uh, bow or arrows. Specifically arrows. Specifically arrows, which you can buy in either singular or packs of five. Mm-hmm. Uh, then uh, another store which gives you ingredients to cook with, like milk or uh, rock salt and stuff like that. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then clothing store. like Yes. Which is super important because I did not know how important clothing was going to be. So armor obviously helps you more. Yes. But uh, early in the game, you get a, uh, a doublet. A warm doublet. A warm doublet that helps you get into the colder part of like the starting area, kind of gives you the tutorial. Mm-hmm. But I was like, oh, okay, so that means I can just go into cold areas. So I put that on, and I start climbing up a mountain, and it's like, it's too cold here. And I'm like, I'm wearing the doublet. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> you liar. <laughs> yeah, so you have to go to, like, different villages to get the clothing that helps you with the environment, which is amazing. Yes. So right now I think I have this, like... You're, like, in Rito Village? Yeah, Rito Village, which is the bird people. Mm-hmm. And they there's a specific clothing set there that just takes the 
uh, cold resistance, like, literally to the max. If you buy the whole set, which it's expensive. It's 1,100 rupees for just the, the shirt and, and the pants. pants. And then another 1,000 rupees for the headpiece. Yeah. Which gets rid of cold entirely. It's crazy. Yeah, so... It's you want to get all of them together because if you just put on one, it'll put it down a little. But if yeah, you want to match up the sets of clothing together. So armor, if you get the Hylian uh, soldier armor, it's the chest piece, the pants, or I think they're called greaves, and then the helmet that gives you the most protection. Yep. And then like cold, the cold stuff, you want to get the pants, the shirt, and the headdress. Yes. And I haven't figured out heat yet. I'm I'm wondering if you just strip off everything. I haven't gotten near Gerudo Village at all. I am so excited for that. So I kind of am too. Yeah. I mean, besides the uh, Rito bird people, I really love like the Zoras. Yeah. And I'm like really excited to see. <laughs> get there, get there, get there. Yeah, I'm just like, I just want you to be able to swim for a crazy amount of time. Yeah, right? <laughs> Uh, oh, speaking of the Ritos, actually, they help you uh, fly mm-hmm. for a while, and uh, you actually get taught this cool technique where if you're on this updraft of air and you pull out and aim with your bow, it slows down time so you can aim and then shoot. It's amazing. It's I thought so, it was so cool. cool. It's like you just... <laughs> yeah, that... Which... Yeah, I do want to say before I get into this next part, bomb arrows are overpowered as hell. And it's awesome. I love it. You it's just so awesome. <laughs> done. <laughs> I absolutely love them. It, watching him do this next part, which I guess it's kind of a segue into it. Yeah. Um. What <laughs> segue? Uh, it, it, watching him release. Or a start to release one of the divine beasts. Yeah, was so cool watching the um, watching the updraft and then the freezing of time as he was shooting the arrow and then that bomb being like taking out like a quarter of the damage. Yeah, or actually it was almost half of the damage from one of the. Yeah, it only took two arrows to take things. The... Yeah, so uh that actually goes into perfectly uh the divine beasts which i found out they are a mix between like an overarching battle of how to get onto them and then they're a mix of a dungeon a puzzle and a boss fight yes like it's all three of those combined which is super cool so the only divine beast that i have encountered so far is vamado mhm uh he is the giant bird it's like you'll see it from the start of the game. You'll look over and you'll just see this giant bird flying around. Yeah, he's very intimidating. Yeah. So you have to fight with Taba, who is uh, one of the birds, one of the Rito. Yeah. They are called Rito, right? Yes. And yeah. I think the Rito. One of the bird people. Uh, he, let's see, flies you up there and then you jump off of his back and you get on, t- you use your glider. Then you freeze time, shoot, and then you just keep going around to destroy these turrets that are kind of at four corners of the Divine Beast. So, like, mouth or beak, uh, wings, and then tail. And they're kind of activating this shield around it, so you have to destroy the turrets to break down the shield. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, really cool. 
Uh, so once you break down those turrets, which the bomb arrows take down, literally it's two shots. If you hit them, it's two shots with the bomb arrows, and then they're dead. Like, it's... It was awesome. It was just a beautiful fight scene, and something I was extremely worried about was... Falling. ...was stamina. So if you... Usually when you glide, you're using stamina, and then when you drop out and then glide again, it continues from the stamina you used. It doesn't regenerate. But this boss, or this fight, was... Uh, very lenient with that and they allowed you to just it instantly regenerated your stamina from like when you let go so you let go and then you activate it you got full stamina again yep so it's probably the coolest experience i've had so far Mm -hmm. um yeah and then once you do uh complete destroying all of the different turrets you go you land on it and you activate a warp point which is really cool so once you do that fight yeah that's how you get on to the <laughs> to the divine beast that's <laughs> what you have to the do beginning yeah the beginning <laughs> then when you get on there you have to uh figure out this puzzle yeah and it's so complicated you have to get to the far end like it's ahead and you get a map of it mm-hmm. of the beast which is super cool it just chills in the bottom right corner of your screen and when you look around with the like camera the map rotates so it kind of shows you where you are and where you're supposed to go you can also control the beast with this now yeah i found we're seeing that yeah so if you go into your map menu which i think is the minus button Mm -hmm. if memory serves me correctly minus button it goes it doesn't show the map of the rest of the world anymore it just shows the map of vomido and you can actually tilt him which is I was just like, what? <laughs> so that kind of helps you get to the different, uh, like, I guess, terminals. I think yeah. that's what it's called, terminals, which once you get all five of them, four or five of them, you have control of the Divine Beast. Or, well, that's what it said. And then it's like, okay, now you have to go get the, uh, once you finish this, you go up to the top and activate the last one. But while you're doing this, there's these, like, little goo things. Oh, God. That just so kind of, like, creepy. they look like mouths. And then they go... <laughs> and they shoot out <laughs> skeletal heads of, like, enemies that you've faced. And they just come flying at you. They, they literally are just like... <laughs> yeah, it's... <laughs> literally, it just takes one swing, kills the thing. But uh, I do want to say the... Um, they're super easy to kill. All you have to do is find the eyeball that's sticking on the side, and you just shoot it with a normal arrow. One hit, they're dead. Yeah. And then you, yeah, you're fine. So keep that in mind. There is one that's kind of tricky. It's around the back. You can get to it if you maneuver enough. Uh, so once you yeah. do complete the puzzle of getting all the terminals, you do head up to the back, and you activate what looks kind of like a heart on top. And out of nowhere, just, like, this weird guardian-looking creature just, like, pops out of it. Ugh. Forms out of it. It's called Wind Blight Ganon. Whooped my ass. <laughs> yeah, I think he took, like, two hits. No, one. He 
created a tornado that just comes like flying towards you and you can move away from it but it just keeps coming and then it hits you and you're dead yeah that thing's fucking scary it's just dead <laughs> and i was like well that's enough for me today yeah he tapped out super hard it's just like okay well that's enough <laughs> i was not ready for that nobody was <laughs> no it's terrifying so yeah my goal for next week is to beat that <laughs> And then go on, to, yeah, wrap up the uh, game. I'll get as far as I can because I'm just going to keep this at three parts. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I probably, I already know that, like, what happens at the end. Yeah, the yeah. game's almost too big to consist consistently um, keep reporting on it. Yeah. Because otherwise. So I will report on the different Divine Beasts and then hopefully the uh, any new mechanics that I find. And I'll probably talk about more NPCs that I love. Uh, a few, like, funny experiences that I have is there's, I think last week I talked about the skeletal bacoblins. Yes. Yeah. Well, I found out there's skeletal lizolfos, which are uh, the Three geckos. Three times scarier. <laughs> yeah, the geckos, which can swim super fast. Or chameleons. Yeah. Yeah. Lizolfos. Well, they're skeletal versions. Usually when you kill the skeletal bacoblins... You smack them, their head pops off, you smack the head again, like, while it's on the ground, and that one disintegrates. It's dead. It's dead. Yeah. Well, I found out with the Lizolfos, they pop up in groups of three. I, yeah. So I smacked one, smacked the head, it was fine. Then I killed another one, smacked the head again, killed that one. And then the third one, I smacked, and the head went rolling away from me. And all three of the bodies got up and ran towards the head. <laughs> and they're just like, gimme, gimme, gimme. They were just, you know, and yeah. one grabbed it and put it on its, like, neck. That's fucking weird. And I'm like, what? <laughs> They're all alive? So then I found out with the Lizolfos, you have, to, the skeletal Lizolfos, you have to take out all of the skeletal heads near them for them to be completely dead. So all three of the bodies just disintegrated after that. Oh, man. Yeah. I do want to say my absolute favorite thing in the game so far are bacoblins that ride horses. <laughs> they are fucking awesome. <laughs> they are hilarious. They just... <laughs> yeah, they'll just sit there. They'll just be like, you know, riding, galloping. It's hilarious to see a bacoblin gallop. And then all of a sudden, they just go... <laughs> and question mark, and then they see you and just come charging you. <laughs> and... Super easy to take them down. You can either wait and, like, smack, which you might smack the horse. Or you can just, like, while they're running, they run in a straight line. You just shoot them with an arrow. They fly. Bacoblins are my favorite, but them riding horses, even better. They're ridiculously stupid. Yeah. And I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so fun. They're awesome. And the cool thing about, I mean, they ride horses, you can also ride horses, Yes. Yeah. I don't know if we mentioned that. I did not, and okay. I know I didn't. So, any horse in the game, you can run up to and hop on and try and tame. Yeah. So, you can mount a horse and just try and tame it. And it's actually super easy. You just ride them around, and when they turn, then you praise them. You calm them. Yep. So, there is a button to calm, and a lot of people, I know I did this my first time, you just mash calm. Don't do that. It, it, does, it doesn't affect it. It's like training a horse to do bad behavior yeah. because you continuously keep calming them. So what you do is uh, this: there's a kid in one of the villages that actually tells you, calm him, 
call him a horse when you when it does the right thing. Yes. So the horse is freaking out. You turn. Le- you want him to turn left, so you hit the stick left, and he starts turning left. You calm him, and then he's like, "Huh," and then you turn right, and you calm him when you want him to turn right, and you just keep doing simple stuff like that, and before you know it, you've got a horse. Yep. And just gallop. Interesting thing about the horse is you hop off and like leave. The horse might stay there. But, like, if you keep going and come back, the horse is gone. Yeah. So, like, you don't have a definitive <laughs> horse it's that's like, yours. guess I'm wild again. Bye. Yeah, gooses. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so, so far, my thoughts on the game, I still love it. I'm still having a great time playing it. It is gigantic. I still love watching it. Yeah, <laughs> there is something, you know, I figured I should have, like, thought of this early on but like early game everything's easy you know smack a few bacoblins they're dead but like later as you get further into the game into the different territories because the map is huge and they're split up into different territories um once you get into those areas (laughs) bacoblins can one-shot you yeah so (laughs) it's so crazy because you go from i can smack the crap out of you and then walk away to don't hit me, please. Just yeah. don't hit me back. I have learned to run from most enemies except for choo-choos, which are the giant jelly things. Yeah, those things are annoying. You just smack them a few times, they die. They've I, got... I don't know how many times we've literally walked into a location, a choo-choo pops up, and we just go, fucking choo-choos, go away. And then go away, and then we just walk away from it. We're just, fuck this. <laughs> <laughs> choo-choos with threatening auras does not exist. No, it doesn't. <laughs> If you can send me a picture of a choo-choo with a threatening aura, please do. Oh, God, please send that to the email. I, I'll i probably die yeah, or, or Or the uh, Instagram DMs. Oh, my gosh, yes, please. So, um, yeah, so that has been Breath of the Wild so far. Next week will be the final part of that. Number three. Yeah. Uh, cool thing, we've been verified to upload to spotify google, google podcast apple podcast and stitcher and stitcher so we are on stitcher too yeah so <laughs> if that is your preferred and you're like i've been listening to google and you want to go to stitcher we're on there now so please, yeah please go there we're trying to update every week yeah we're we're going to be releasing every friday yes um i'm doing my dang best to make sure that we're like recording and editing yeah. in a decent time so we can get it out to you guys and if uh you're listening um <laughs> and we are also trying to get on different podcasting platforms just so if you have a preferred one we're gonna try and show up so if there is one that you guys prefer more than others please let us know and we'll start the process of getting onto there yep yeah uh, we Okay, so with that, um, follow us on Instagram. And Twitter at Page and Buttons Podcast. No. That's on Instagram. No. Okay, that's Page and Buttons Podcast on Instagram. Yeah. Page and Buttons at gmail.com is also our email yes. because we did not specify that last Oh, yeah, time. we did not. <laughs> but you just said Page and Buttons Podcast, and then you went, yeah, email us. Yeah. That <laughs> <laughs> was wrong. Um, so, Pageandbuttons so, at gmail.com. Yep, pageandbuttons uh, on Instagram. Pageandbuttons Pod- podcast on Instagram, and then... Uh, page button... Uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> that worked. Page turners and button mashers 
uh, on Twitter, Twitter yeah. with the ampersand. You have to have that ampersand, otherwise you will not find us. Yeah. Um, also, uh, we have a Patreon. We do we have a Patreon. We didn't even tell you guys about this, and I'm so sorry. Um, so you should be able to find us on patreon.com slash, I think... It's Page Turners and Button Mashers podcast. Yes, it you is. You should be able to find us that way. Um, anyways, we really hope you keep listening. And yeah. we really hope that you send us an email or reach out to us or follow us on all of our platforms because we're lonely. <laughs> <laughs> if there is any game you want uh, me to report on or for any book to report on, absolutely, please let us know. And yeah, I've got an Excel spreadsheet ready. Woo! All right, guys, keep on turning those pages, and mashing those buttons. We'll see you next time. All right, bye. Bye.